think we can call this not roaming anymore. No, because I was fully roaming. You were fully <laughs> roaming. Fully roaming. All oh, over the country. Man. Let's... I want, to, I want a full debrief of the travels. Yeah. Let's dive in. Also, it's good to be back. I mean... Okay, so this is how it went down. Three weeks ago, David and I... <laughs> David and I flew to Portland. Um, the new okay. le- so we flew American, and on this um, journey, we flew three different airlines. So I will uh, I will recount each experience. All right, great. But, I'm not um, going to say I'm not I'm not interrupt you constantly throughout. Yeah, this. yeah. Poke and prod. So we flew out of LaGuardia. LaGuardia got a total facelift and it is oh, really? a beautiful new airport. All right. So when traveling resumes, I would definitely recommend going back to LaGuardia or making that one of your prime stops uh, or airports if you choose to fly into New York. So we flew American from LaGuardia to Charlotte easy flight i think it was under two hours and there was maybe 20 people on our flight including us so really easy to social distance we were in the same row um and like kind of everyone did their own thing and there was no service blah blah blah. right so we land in charlotte we have extra time yeah so we like grabbed some food and then we headed to our gate and the portland flight was very crowded like almost completely full every seat was filled um they did fill the middle seat um so we double masked the entire time just like as precautionary but um everyone was extremely respectful everyone the entire flight was very quiet um everyone who is traveling right now seems to be like the frequent travelers so a lot of the things um happen with ease so like when we landed in portland it was like really early in the morning like midnight 1 a.m Maybe it wasn't. No, it was midnight, 1 a.m. New York time, but it was only like 11 o'clock there. Um, So I guess it was like 2 a.m. New York. But we, like, without any direction from the stewardess or, like, anyone on the plane, like, the first five rows would stand up and go. And the next five, the next five, the next five. No one was, like, getting up behind you, trying to, like, get off the plane. Like, everyone respected the process, and it went really quickly. We had, like... We deboarded in like no time. So we went. Probably be the case always if people weren't just morons when they were on planes. Exactly. (laughs) And when planes are just running with no issues, like there's no delays, like everything is happening on time. Blah blah blah. Uh, So then we rented a car um, from Avis for three weeks. 
and we just rented the same vehicle. So we got a Toyota RAV4, which was fun. Great car. And it was my first car. It was, uh, it was a good time. We really liked it. And like to fill it up was like no money. And it got great gas mileage. And 10 out of 10 would do that again. Uh, we stayed in Northeast Portland in a nice little neighborhood and we continued to work New York hours. Yeah. So we would wake up at 5, 5.30 and be online by 6. And then our day would end around 2. Uh, thankful that we both have bosses who were like embrace the time you're like spending. Like we both really couldn't do right. vacation. So if our day was ending up a little early, we would like scoot out maybe an hour early or two hours early just to like enjoy the afternoon. So the first day we were there, we like met up with, we like saw the city, got a few things that we need for like later in the trip, ran some errands, did a little shopping. And then we did, like we went to a brewery, like grabbed some food, blah, blah, blah. And then we met up with his cousin and a friend um, for drinks on this like really fun rooftop. It was like an old school that got converted into like office space. So they like left all the lockers, they left like the chalkboards in the classrooms, but the Mm -hmm. classrooms themselves became like office suites. So you could like rent those out and like have your company, like a small group of people in there, or they like might extend the classrooms to make them bigger. But it was really cool on the rooftop was really fun. It looked overlooked all of Portland. Um, Was there a massive protests and attempts to burn down federal buildings while you were in Portland? So the protests were happening and they're happening in downtown and David's cousin lives downtown. So in order for us to drop her off, we had to drive through the protests, (laughs) but the time of day we drove through them, there wasn't like unrest. It was simply people just like parked out in a park. Like I, and like some of our routes, like we couldn't, um, we couldn't go like down certain roads because they were blocked by police or there's like people protesting. But like for the most part, it was really easy to navigate and like go around it. Um, we thought like um, his cousin like made a point like this is not like a homeless camp. Like these are the protesters. So like if you drove by and there's like really no activity, it just seems like um, a, an area of the city that the homeless took over and like we're sleeping in but it so that's kind of what the perception was as an outsider but that's obviously not the case people are just like there for the cause <clears throat> and our second full day we left work a little early and we drove out to the Oregon coast and it was so beautiful like nice. it was a really foggy day the coast is just like, oh, it reminds me almost of like Malibu, like really cliffy, and then yeah. like just the ocean and like a quarter of the cost. And like it was just like an amazing time. And just like, and that was about two hours west of Portland. And we just like drove and did our, saw the sights and did the thing. And it was so fun and uh, wrapped up our day. And then that next morning, we had to get up at 
like 3 a.m. to start driving to Tahoe because David found out he had to host an event for work. And so he needed to be on Wi-Fi by 4 p.m. And we had a, like a 12-hour drive to Tahoe. Lovely. So we just like started driving way in the morning and I slept like the first two hours. And then I woke up and we were pulling over in some like grocery store parking lot or like Taco Bell drive-thru or something. And I was like, what are we doing? He's like, I need 20 minutes or like 10 minutes to close my eyes because I'm falling asleep. I'm like, okay. So like we like uh, did that and then we continued our drive. We like ended up stopping at this random like cool like one-stop shop type of thing and right on the Oregon border and California border. And we bought this like, my laptop was going to die and I was like still trying to work the rest of the day. And I had been using a hotspot in the car, which actually worked really well. Yeah. So I'm like signing into meetings and like, I'm clearly in a vehicle. Like you can just like see everything like moving. It was so funny. People were like, where are you going? I'm like, I know. Away. Um, so then uh, we, so we go in this place and we find this like converter. So we were able to like plug in our laptops and charge them via the cigarette lighter. cigarette lighter yeah and it's this mammoth thing so it could charge both of our phones and both of our laptops at the same time so like we're equipped to do this like definitely again um it was a blast and so we ended up using that throughout the rest of the trip but then we make it to tahoe which is like so stunning so beautiful and we're just like hanging out like we ended up getting the time wrong when we could check in. So we couldn't even check in for another hour, which is like the time David was supposed to be online. So the minute it turned like 4 p.m. like was when we were running in. But like the woman who was cleaning the house was still there. So like at 3.58, she left the house that we and we like ran in at 4 p.m. And it was so funny. So I was like unloading the cars like while they were all like, um, the two people we were staying with were actually um, also signing into this meeting. So it was like so funny. But the crazy part is this trip like, constantly got interrupted by COVID. So like there was other people that were supposed to join us at its cabin, but they had been found out they had been exposed to COVID. So they chose not to come. Like, you know, like people just like, yep. it just like doesn't, don't work out. Right. So we had a great, like long, we had a great weekend in Tahoe. Um, we spent so we were there thursday night and then we were all worked friday like just like a normal day yeah. and um signed off a little early and then we like went just like enjoyed like the little like city it's such a ski village it's so fun got some great food walked around did biking blah 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 they have like a huge like scooter community so like, you can get like your lime Sick. scooter really easily it's like really fun and we just like went around it was a great time and then the next day we went to try to go hiking but it was so crowded like we could never social distance hiking and like there was like not even places to park like not even like the parking lot was full but like i'm talking like the entire sides of the street like leading up to like the trailheads were so full so we're just like yep this is a huge no but the views were super nice from up there so like the drive wasn't lost i mean it was like right. still worth it to go up and then found this like random little burger spot that we never would have found did a little antiquing like 
some shopping and like just hung out and had a good time. And we just like went home and I like read my book on the porch and just like, just like a good, like chill, relaxed. Nice relaxed. Yeah. And then from Tahoe, we were there till Sunday around noon. Then we drove to Salt Lake and that was a really, really beautiful drive. Um, Super beautiful coming out of Tahoe. Reno is like a little bit of a weird city, yep. like a mini Vegas. And then we had uh, made our way over to Salt Lake. And then like on your way to Salt Lake, you pass through like Nevada. You, there's like, it's like, there's like this border town and it's known for being like the only, like the closest dispensary to Salt Lake City. So some of our friends had asked us to stop to like, since we were driving right through town, like pick them up some gummies and things like that. But then the other cool thing was, um, it was like this kind of like abandoned casino town, but like it's not abandoned, but like the buildings are just kind of like falling apart and it just like looks like really Mm -hmm. rustic. And it's just like in the middle of nowhere. And then right when you leave that town, you enter like the great, like the Salt Lake desert, like these salt flats. Yeah, and this was like the where they shot the opening scene for Pirates of the Caribbean when Jack is like in the middle of like a, what seems like kind of like a white abyss. Yeah, like you know, the salt flats purgatory. are sick. So cool! I like that was like a, such a beautiful part, and then like you're in that for so long, and then all of a sudden you just start hitting the mountains, and then you go into the valley, and then you hang out in Salt Lake. So that was like a good time. And then we were only there one night um, because we were originally going to go to Austin. And when we were in Austin, we were going to overlap with the woman that we were staying with in Salt Lake. So she splits her time between Salt Lake and Austin. Hmm. And um, she's a nurse practitioner in Austin. And she like is from Salt Lake. So she has a home in Salt Lake and then also a place in Austin. So we were going to see her in Austin, but because we canceled that part of the trip due to the numbers being so crazy, um, we were like, okay, well, we still want to see you. So we'll come back to Salt Lake, but to maximize our time with people that we like, we're seeing, we like continued to Denver the next day. So we went to Denver, super boring drive. I mean, like, yeah. You leave Salt Lake, it's really pretty, and then you're just, like, we were stuck in Wyoming. Like, we went around the mountain pass versus, like, through it. And, uh, like, everything up to Laramie, Wyoming is, like, very boring and, like, flat and, like, desolate. And then we get there. We enjoy, like, a great week with my brother and his partner and just, like, had a great time. And they kept working and we were working. We're just, like, enjoying each other's company and, like, having a grill out with friends and like overall like a really chill vibe and just like good R&R. And then on Friday of that week, so we were in Salt Lake Monday, drove to Denver Tuesday. We stayed there until Friday. And then that morning we flew back to Salt Lake. So this flight, this first flight was with Frontier and we just took backpacks, which worked out perfectly. And we left our rental car at my brother's apartment. And Frontier made you um, check your temperature before you get on the plane, which, like, American did not. Mm -hmm. So before we got on the plane, everybody was, like, individually checked. And, like, 
<clears throat> it seemed kind of like the luggage rule was like very like I've seen them be very strict before, but this it didn't seem like to be an issue this time. Like they kind of like the flight was fairly full, but not completely. So I think there was like there were a little lax on like whether or not you paid for what you were bringing on. Right. Um, They're just happy to have fucking people on the planes. Exactly. So we headed to Salt Lake for like a wild weekend where we were like hiking and having breakfast in the mountains and like thrifting like we got um we got uh we got to see like where sandlots like a few scenes from sandlot were filmed we got to see where high school musical was filmed we got to see where tan france lives from queer eye um we had to meet um people that were like special to our friends so like it was just like really nice to like reconnect with everybody so friday we were there hung out saturday we picked up our friends who flew in from austin um i got to see one of my good friends from college who's doing her phd at the university of utah there and just like experience the city it's just like a really unique city where there's just such a dominant culture of latter-day saints and like if you don't live there and you're not latter-day saints like you're very much like an outsider but like the people are very kind um it was just like it was just a very interesting city it it, for a lot of a lot of parts it felt like a place where people who felt like they didn't belong other places kind of ended up but also like there's people who only flock there for and they they weren't necessarily latter-day saints but then there was also people who were like very strict with their religion and that's like why they're there because they went to bring them young and then they stayed so very unique group of people and we stayed there till sunday and then we flew back late um we got back into denver around 11 and hung out for the night and then monday was a travel day to minnesota and we um we hot spot in the car basically all day. And you know that drive from Colorado back to Minnie. Uh, it was very long through Nebraska and long through Iowa. And you hit the border and you're like, oh my gosh, like only like an hour-ish left or so. But uh, hung out there and um, that was a good time. And then stayed there only like one night. Or, yeah. And then we headed on to Ann Arbor. And got to spend the week with my little brother. How long did you drive to Ann Arbor? Nine hours, maybe a little less. Oh, shit. Okay. And uh, we stayed there, hung out. Um, didn't do anything too crazy. We had just been there like a month before. So it was kind of just like more so hanging out and seeing the little bro. And then we got back to New York this past Saturday. And you drove to New York from Ann yeah. Arbor? Okay. Yeah. How was that? It was good. We did that before, too. That's about nine hours. And uh, it's a really easy drive. Once you get through Ohio, it's like northern Pennsylvania is like super beautiful. So it's just kind of like it's a fairly easy drive. It's long. And I think this time it felt longer, just like the anticipation of getting back. But um, Cuomo has a quarantine order for if you visited like 20 plus states but the last state we had been to 
was Utah. So we're only, so we had been out of Utah for almost a week before we got back to New York. So we're only quarantining the remainder of the time that would have been two weeks from a plate, a state that he's deemed required. So we're not having to quarantine the full two weeks in our apartments, which is nice. Wasn't he just in, in Georgia? I have no idea. I was on the road off the grid. I saw, I saw some things that him, him out in Georgia without a mask on and all that good stuff. So who knows? Uh, I've got to love a politician. <sighs> nope, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. It sounds like a, it sounds like a good trip. It sounds like a shit ton of driving. I'm trying to think. Fine. So it was 5,000 miles. Because the shortest, I mean, your shortest drive is that nine hours, Minnesota Ann Arbor, right? Yes. Uh, and Tahoe to Salt Lake, I think, was oh, right. something. Yeah. But yeah, it was like 12, 8, 17. Well, it wasn't, seven, it wasn't 17 from Denver. From Denver, yeah, it's 14. Is it that long? I don't know if it was that long. When I went from Minneapolis to Vail, it was about 17. Okay. I feel like... But I also... It's probably probably more like 12 to Denver. From Denver? I think it was closer to 12. So it was like 12.99. Yeah. Because I stopped in... That 17, when I went to Vail, when I drove out there, it was... I stopped in Denver for a couple hours before I went on to Vail. So... So while, great drive. But it was a great, great time. Ten out of ten would do it again. We're like trying to decide if we might do like the Northeast Corridor this fall and do like cool Connecticut, Rhode Island, Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine, and like figure out how far we want to go. Because like that yeah. really isn't that far of a trip. Like it's probably like it's far enough, but like it's not near what we did, and we can kind of right. like maximize some more times or pick more stops along the way to see so that would be a nice time to like see the colors and i'm pretty sure it sounds right. like we'll be remote till january so there's some flexibility there yeah that's that's awesome uh if you had to pick one spot like to go back you had to, just one place that you went to you can only go back to one of them for like a week where would you go uh, I would probably go to Tahoe because I feel like I didn't see as much as I could have because it was so touristy and it was a lot harder. Like I would have loved to do some hiking and I would have loved to do some stuff out on a lake and yeah. we just like didn't have the time nor like it just like wasn't as safe. And so I think uh, that would be a place I would go back to. But I would totally do... Portland to Tahoe and then like like Portland to like the Redwoods down to Tahoe like I would do like this whole fun west coast trip like I had never thought Northern California would be as pretty as it was and I I really really fell in love with it yeah I'd love to go to the Redwoods I would like love to do like Vancouver Canada to the Redwoods but I would just keep going and just do Vancouver to San Diego yeah yeah uh yeah i agree i love vancouver i was in vancouver a few years ago 
and it's like that's a really really cool city i might i would definitely go back to vancouver yeah I've, it's on my bucket list. Portland has been so high on my bucket list. I'm really happy I got there. The crazy part about the eeriness of Portland is the rumors of like the big one. Have you heard of this? Not in Portland. Okay, so there's like this fault that lies just outside of Portland. That was the, and it's, it's in between Portland and Japan. And it, right. that's what caused the huge tsunami that hit Japan like five, ten, six five, ten years ago. Yeah. So the way that the fault works is generally it shifts depending on where it's going to like direct its energy. And it's generally like in every other thing or whatever. Right. So Portland's been due for this like massive tsunami thing for like longer than it should have. So people are like, the talk is that it's like this, it's going to be far more catastrophic than like what people are, I guess, like, I guess like people are just preparing for it to be the worst, but the way that Portland is set up is like, there's no way that like you could save the city. It's just like, it's going to get like potentially wiped out. And so they call it the big one and people just like live there knowing that this thing could like wipe them out, but they're like, if it happens, it happens, and, like, we're just gonna live in a place we love, and, like, that well, was, like, the... Of... E- Go ahead. It's just, like, this eeriness of, like, the sense of, like, you could live anywhere else, or you could live farther outside of Portland and be just fine, but you choose to remain, like, right in it. But it's, yeah. I don't know, and, like, no one lives downtown, like, it's not a city where you, like, it's not, it's, like, LA, where you don't really live downtown LA, you live right. in, like, an outskirt neighborhood, and so Portland is set up very similar to that, so I just, I don't know, I found it really interesting, but I absolutely loved it, and I totally see the appeal, so. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, the big one, right, depending on where you are in the country, there's, I mean, everyone kind of has a big one, it's especially on the West Coast, there's, so Portland, I didn't know that, but, um, the big one in California is earthquakes. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, and then the big one in like Yosemite, if Yosemite ever erupts, like half the country is dead. Um, mm-hmm. Or the big one of like plagues and yeah. super viruses. Right? Yeah. It could come in, it can come in all forms. That's so true. I think also my biggest like, fear now that I've lived here in New York it's like I crave the energy here I crave how fast it is I like love so many elements of it and no matter where I go everything feels smaller and smaller and smaller and I've never been one to look at places like that like oh it's so small but my first thing is when I drive into some of these places I'm like this is like it's a tiny little city and they're yeah. not necessarily small cities, but like they're small in comparison. And I'm just like, I'm going to have to really be ready to give up this life of the fast paced New York before I'm ever ready to commit to something like anything else. <laughs> right. Well, it's not even that, like, it's not even small. Like, obviously, population wise, it's most places are smaller, but it's more about like the actual. Uh, one population density and the actual like structure and architecture of the cities, right? Like 
there's a couple million people in all the places that you went, but it's more sprawling. It's more spread out. Right. And it's just like, like it's the suburb life. It's like things right. that you just like, you have to be ready for that step or want that. And I'm just yep. like, I like love not having to mow a yard. I love like so many things about the city, but there are things about the city that like, I don't love, like I would rather, like I would love to be able to like go hiking more often. And I would love to be able to do like more like nature-based things. But like, that's like one thing I don't want to lose as like a city dweller is like this appreciation and fascination for nature. Cause like a lot of people who right. live here, like I remember when I first moved here and someone complained that Central Park was too much nature for them. <laughs> and I was like, this woman that's I crazy. worked with her, and she even like made that comment, and I was like, "That's not away by that. No, it's man-made park." And there's so it's like, like uh, there's like a hundred trees in the middle middle of Manhattan, and that's too much nature. Exactly, and so like I my need more thing, exhaust and concrete. <laughs> I wanna, I wanna, uh, I wanna wheeze I want when I smell the brake dust in my in my coffee. Is that chalk on my tongue? I hope so. <laughs> like, the I don't want to lose that element. And I think it will never leave because of just the way I grew up and the things that I appreciate. But I right. do live in this with people who are, like, hate camping and, like, hate these, like, lovely things outside. And granted, like, it's definitely not for everybody. But yeah. that will be, like, one part where, like, I'll have to choose an interest and, like, decide, like, which one's going to be more important, but yeah, I was looking at, I was looking at houses uh, and I found like, I was like, Oh, that's a, like, that's a cool house. Like that's a house that I would actually like live in. Like, I think that's dope. Right. Or it has like good bones and I could make it what I want a house to be. And then I'd be like looking at houses and then I'd see like other houses in the neighborhood. And I'm like, I can't live here. Like I, I can't, I, I'm not ready to live in the suburbs. And also at the same time, Minneapolis isn't perfect by any means. And it's like, Minneapolis is actually, is like Portland in the sense that it's not a city for city dwellers. Minneapolis has always been a commuter city. Um, It's, they're trying to change that more and more. I mean, there's apartment buildings going up everywhere. Um, It's becoming a young city, which I think is fun. Yeah, and it would be fun if there was one if there was more bars and restaurants and like shopping and stuff downtown. That'd be great. Mm-hmm. Um, even though we can't do any of those things right now, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Without the Minneapolis is like uh, crime is way up in the last few months downtown. Yeah. Um, Nicollet Avenue is like not a very safe place to be really yeah because so nicolet runs through the heart of downtown yeah and it was like the only thing that's like downtown downtown is corporate offices that's true right it's target and rbc and whatever cargill whatever's down here um and all those buildings are empty and so there's no there's no traffic there's no motion downtown everyone who lives in minneapolis like me like we live downtown, but it's the, the outer rim of downtown is the residential areas. And so 
um, yeah, it's been like not a super safe place to be. There's a few weekends ago, probably the weekend, the last time we recorded, uh, there's 11 people shot in Uptown. Oh my God. Um, so it's been pretty nuts. Uh, so that's not great. Same thing's happening in New York too, right? There's huge spikes in crime. Crime is yeah. doubled and arrests are down more than 50%. But uh, Well, we had left Portland right before the government came in and we're like putting people in vans. Like yeah. we weren't there during that. And I think it might've been like three days after we left that that like started hitting the news. And so like we missed it just by days but right it's just odd and like the worst part is i'm starting to normalize it a little bit like right and that's well, you don't want to you just see another headline about another thing and you're like oh all right like here it is again when really like this is like some you have we have to be pushing back on some of this stuff uh yeah and i mean there's a lot of things that go into that right like we've lived in like the most plush cushy safe society that has pretty much ever existed anywhere in the world yeah and so like this is if what was happening now if you put that in the context of like the amount of crime and things like that that was like in the 80s and 90s it'd be like oh man we're doing we're doing great we're way down if you know right um and so this is just like we're we're going backwards in that sense um i highly highly recommend a doc uh mini docuseries on netflix i think it came out last week called fear city mm-hmm. it's um three one hour long episodes and it's about how the the mob and the five the five mob families controlled New York in the seventies and eighties. Ooh, it's fucking fascinating. Um, it's worth a watch. Absolutely, and for anyone who thinks that like, well, like this wouldn't happen. It's like the government, or like there's there's not that much corruption. Just watch this, and like there's. People getting thrown out of thirty thirtieth floor of construction sites because they didn't pay the mob, and it's, it's just wild. Um, wasn't that season one, episode one of Ozark? <laughs> season two, episode one of Ozark is, or season three is also, uh, put the C four on those dudes' necks and my God, light them up. You know type of shit that happens in that's the beauty of storytelling because the reality is people think some of these things are original ideas but these a lot of these shows are integrating reality in a way that you would never be able to you would never have known about some of these stories but it's their way of telling the same thing but now you're able to like disassociate that it's real because it's it's being offered to you in a reality that doesn't exist I don't know. It's a great conspiracy theory, right? Yeah. That the government puts, gives these stories or these things that happen that right. actually happen oh, yeah. to 
Hollywood and Hollywood makes them and then puts them in this realm of like fantasy and not real and this could never happen. So that it desensitizes you and then makes you like when you say like, shit, did this happen? People are like, uh no, that was a movie. You're fucking stupid. Game of Thrones. <laughs> fucking Transformers, right? We go to the moon and we haven't been back to the moon because there's aliens on the other side of the moon that told us to stay the fuck away. Hey. I don't know. Let's uh, talking about another documentary that just came out. Have you started Immigration Nation? I think is what it's called. No. Have you heard of it? No. It's the one. It's so there was controversy about it coming out before the election, not from Netflix, but from the people who actually produced it. Well, Netflix produced it, but the people who actually like got the footage and everything. But basically, these people were allowed into the camps that were being holding the individuals who are crossing the border and separating parents and their children. And they're doing like interviews with the border patrol and they're doing, they're getting footage from inside the camps and all this stuff. And now it's on Netflix for everyone to watch. Have you seen it? Have you watched it? I haven't watched it yet. I haven't had like the heart or the stomach for it just yet. Yeah. Uh, well, things that have gone on the border have been going on the border for a very long time. And yeah. But I think now it's like in the spotlight. And if it, uh, I'm just curious. My whole thing, the part that actually draws the curiosity for me is the actual controversy that the government put out there saying, like, do not release this before the elections. And then it was released before the elections regardless. That's, uh, I think there's some, I don't know, I'm just curious to see what, what it go, how it goes, how it's all portrayed. Yeah, I think if there's a, there's a spotlight on it now, that's because someone wants there to be a spotlight on it and it benefits one side or the other, right? Because they can yeah, shape that uh, narrative. That's I just the way things. The way things are. I love the way. I love the way you're able to pick apart things like that. Because I just, I just go with the flow, and I'm like, whoa, like something's ready, like for us to see. And you're like, no, it's there because it's supposed to be there. Like this is a a plant. I never think like that, so I enjoy it. I enjoy your perspective. Yeah, and not even like it's like it's a plant, but the the spotlight that the media decides to shine on different things is very telling, especially now when you can go and find, you can go watch C-SPAN and see what was actually said and what's actually in the documents. And you can go read declassified documents or documents that were released by courts. And you can go find all that as an independent citizen. And then you can see, see why isn't the media talking about the fact that the uh, the uh, Ghislaine Maxwell, her uh, documents from her, I think it was from the defamation suit, came out last Friday, and a bunch of stuff was a bunch of names were still redacted, um, but there was multiple reports in those documents that uh, Bill Clinton was in fact on Jeffrey Epstein Epstein's island in the presence of two young potentially underaged girls. Bill Clinton was on the island. There's eyewitnesses under oath that put him there. 
I'm not surprised about that. But he's also mentioned Nobody in, should be. in the Jeffrey Epstein uh, documentary, too. Yeah. There's footage of him there. There's Yeah, well, there's there's always been footage of him on the planes and, like, he's on the flight logs. But then he came out and said that he was never on the island. He never went to the island. Uh, yep, he yep, used yep. the plane, whatever, but he never was on the island. Now there's sworn testimony that he was on the island. Oh, it's yeah, interesting so only in the fact that if someone, if there was reports under oath that came out and said that Donald Trump was on that island or that, you know, whoever, whoever else the media is, wants to shine a spotlight on was on that island, it would be plastered all over every news outlet. And that's a little bit unfair because Donald Trump's a sitting president and Bill Clinton is not. So there's obviously a, a lesser degree to which that is important, but right. uh, it's still a big deal. It is because it opens up more doors to like who else was there. Right. And also Jeffrey Epstein had his fingers in so many, okay, this is actually getting, I don't like this reference anymore, but he had like, he had so many connections. His web is so far and vast. That's like almost the most fascinating part about him is like the fact that he had, the moment you think you understand the, the depth and breadth of like what he had done, it continues to expand and his like like when you when he dies under these mysterious circumstances it's almost like there's just too many players at stake to really understand like who had the most to lose because he was like with princes and past presidents and like huge corporate execs like just people everywhere of all ranks in different worlds and you're just kind of like everyone from like oprah and harvey weinstein to bill gates and bill clinton everyone in between it's uh it's pretty nuts it was also in those documents that got released said that um virginia i think it's virginia gufray gufray i can't i don't know how, how to pronounce her last name um in those documents that were released said that she gave she told the FBI about her being trafficked and like, here's this picture of me with Prince Andrew, et cetera, et cetera, in like 2011 or 2012, and they never did anything. Have you watched the documentary yet? Yeah. That, I think they cover that in the documentary too. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah, she has like pictures with him and they like, people are like, you're with her in this house. Yeah, and she's like, like he's, he's like, no. He cl- he's claiming that that picture is like fake. It's photoshopped. It's like it couldn't have been. It's so crazy. I'm um, so ready for this year to be over. I am too, especially like even after like events like today. Well, one, you have like the horrible explosion that happened in Lebanon. Do you yep. see that? Yep. Which we'll what? never know the real truth about. We but we don't even know what exploded, like really. Yeah, no, it's not fireworks. It is very clearly not fireworks. No, that was like a super bomb. It was 
it the videos are unbelievable unbelievable and if anybody believes that was fireworks you're a sheep there's something that happens when you light fireworks and they detonate it's not that it's otherwise it would never be allowed for for celebration purposes (laughs) i'm like Uh, waiting for like where's the stars like why aren't they just shining up the i mean no that was a chemical weapon that neutralized part of that country it's insane and i i follow some people who are like deep in the conspiracy world just for my own entertainment fascinating yeah and there's like i mean there's like the central bank of uh of lebanon is two miles away from from this and it has something to do with like the central bank and how much gold they have in the bank and that there's the price of gold has been going up and this is something there's people saying that it's um there was like a secret munitions and weapon weapons were being hidden at that port and that they blew up those secret that secret warehouse there's also people saying that it has something to do with the ukraine there was like someone like went and tried to find the um the import what boats were coming into the port and there was like boats from ukraine people like was there a weapons exchange with ukraine and like so many rabbit holes who knows the part that i don't understand is in every video and i don't know if i've seen an explanation for this yet is that building is smoking or on fire for far longer than the explosions happening so people are like oh my god like something's on fire let's video it and then i'll see these insane footages like the footage of just some of these like uh, people who are like running and you've seen like like the shards of crap flying across the city and like cutting these people like yeah. oh my god but like just the a, reality is something's seen... on fire for a while before anything right. goes off and i've never seen like american privilege i've never seen a bomb go off up close and personal right no uh and so it's crazy like the shock wave that you see like that ripple through the city yeah it is wild and then you have this horrific and beautiful like dark cloud just start emerging through the city of like or just like up into the strata like of just like all like just like the footprint of something far bigger than what we're hearing in the news yeah it's i seen like i went and found pictures of like there was someone who posted the port like before and after the explosion and it's insane the entire port is destroyed it's flattened i also i had also seen that photo i had seen photos of that and the thing that i had also seen um gosh i just lost it hold on i'll think of it when i get i'll think of it but dang it what else did i something else you saw on social that happened today no i mean, it was still something about lebanon but i can't remember i can't remember where i was going i can't lost my train of thought but maybe it'll come back to me the other thing I was going to say that happened to me is I live in a coastal city. 
right? Oh. Growing up, we're taught the closer you are to water, the lesser of a chance you have of tornadoes. tornadoes. Yeah. Somehow, <laughs> the sweet city of New York City is under a tornado warning and being hit by a tropical storm that was crawling up the coast. Yeah. Granted, I don't, I think there, there was definitely like a, I'm not sure if there was like a tornado warning. It was for most of the tri-state, but one area right on the coast in Jersey was like, head to your basements immediately, blah, 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 blah. I mean, like the wind was just like whipping outside my apartment. And I was like, it was definitely the most like tropical storm thing I've ever experienced here. Yeah. Knowing that like the hurricane had just come through the Carolinas and then been downgraded. But like the whole thing only lasted maybe like from like 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. But it was wild. Like it was absolutely wild. And I don't think we even had like that bad of, it was definitely worse farther north, but these, right. but the avenues act as such wind tunnels that you just get these like fierce like straight compulsions. Line yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I haven't even been outside yet, so I have no idea how it looks. But my friends are like, "Are you okay? Are you okay?" And then I send them this picture of like a sunny sky, and I'm like, "Yeah, it's over." And like this is what we're seeing on TV, and it's like Brooklyn, like everything is horrible, like wind rain blah 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 and i'm like no like that's over like the, the storm has already passed new york it's on its way to new hampshire or whatever but like another good re- like another good example of the media just like sh- like that's what's the stuff that sells it's not it's not it's the good, truth yeah, it's, <laughs> not the truth my my advice what i've started to do is instead of watching the news i find the people that are invited as guests on the news that get a two minute segment and find those people and listen to what they have to say and then find out if they're credible. And then if they like find out who those people are listening to and find out who those people are listening to and work your way up and curate your own network of experts through your social channels, instead of relying on the singular lens of some bullshit antiquated network. Well, when we were at Fordham, um, my colleague would um, approach faculty with specific academic um, experience and knowledge. And like, if there's something relevant happening in the news, we would pitch them and be like, we can get you on CNN tonight. Are you comfortable doing it? And they're like, yeah, yeah. But like Christina Greer, she's like, um, uh, I believe she's a professor in political science. She is so fascinating and she is so well-spoken in fact she's actually gotten some like she have said some unpopular things and like the nation has like come for her a few times where like we had to like there's times where she would just like go dark and like we'd be like okay like her class is offered remote right now because she can't like come to like I don't remember if she couldn't come to the university or like if it was maybe a fall break or something, but like there was one time where like people, she was like getting like death threats and it was like not a good moment for her, but she was just like trying to speak the truth. And like what she had said was like misinterpreted and it was like a whole thing. So, but she's brilliant and I respect her. 
Alec is now looking her up. I'm not. I'm looking up a George Orwell quote. Oh, George Orwell. 1984, also known as our current society. Ah. Pretty damn close. Uh, The furthest a society drifts from the truth, the more it will hate those that speak it. George Orwell. That's a good quote. It's a great quote. Um, so, yeah. You know, it's true. And I think for too long, people, and I think that's like the beauty of like the lower generation below us, Gen Z, is they're not they're not okay with status quo. They're like, just because we've done it that way doesn't make it the right way. And they ask these questions and I find them, that's why I find, I find them to be a, a source of hope. And I also think um, that's a lot of, you know, and millennials being on board with a lot of similar thoughts. I think that's why we're often disregarded as like, the group that has no money because we have so much student debt and we'd prefer avocado toast and we can't buy a house and blah, blah, blah. Like it's easy to like downplay a group when you start to like air their, uh, the nuances that make them non-credible. Which well, is whatever. The nuances that make, that people try to discredit millennials with are actually a function of the of gen x and uh the baby boomers and the greatest generation mm-hmm. uh, because they don't they don't afford us the same professional courtesy that the generations above them afforded them right yeah. and we also don't really live in there's so much nepotism and just like bullshit and desire for power in a lot of those generations, right? Like you used to retire and the next person below you would then move up. Everyone else would move up. You'd have a generation of people who could retire. So they would move up, make more money, et cetera. Right. Yeah. We don't have that generation that's retiring and giving these high paying jobs to younger generations. Right. We're both of us, me, especially I'm like, I'm on the very tail end of millennial, right? Most millennials are in their mid thirties. And so the point where they should be able to have like a well-paying job, should be able to buy a house, do those types of things. But now their bosses are just 70 in their seventies. Right. And they refuse to refuse to get out of work and get out of power. And that's a, that's a huge issue for a lot of reasons. Right. Uh, exactly especially when you can if you've given them an annual raise and you can if they choose to leave then you can potentially hire that younger person or whatever for lesser money not necessarily what the role is worth but more so the when if they are able to move up it's probably not even into the same level as to what that previous person had or was originally granted when they were offered a similar vertical movement Right. And the biggest thing is the cost of education has gone up some like, I don't know, something like 800% since the 70s and 80s. Uh, 
and the average average salary of a one year removed from university person is the same as it was. So become wildly cost ineffective to go to college. Yeah. It's so different. It's so, uh, it's way too much money. I will say of the millennial generation, and I don't know much about Gen Z, but, and I would say actually everyone, right? We, there's this weird new movement towards socialism. Yeah. Like bar none socialism, right? People who think that Fidel Castro is a great leader and things like that. But in my opinion, what most people are failing to realize is we don't need to find a system from the past, especially a system from the past that has failed nations miserably and caused death and poverty in every country that it's been implemented in. Mm-hmm. But we, we need to understand that the world has fundamentally changed. We are, no lo- we are in a post-industrial world. Capitalism, we started at mercantile capitalism. We had the industrial revolution. We had industrial capitalism. Now we need to shift to a new version of capitalism. Uh-huh. And it should be capitalism because capitalism is what led the U.S. to be the most prosperous, wealthy, safest global power to ever exist. So how do we change and adjust a system that has worked so well for so long to adapt to the new reality of a digital world, of a more connected world, which is a very a much smaller world, right? Uh-huh. And we can talk about how that also calls for a need of more culturally inclusive, anything like that, that you want to say that a government should be in charge of, but we shouldn't be looking back at, well, this isn't working anymore. We don't like capitalism anymore because it's, because there's inequality in capitalism. So we should go to like, I also feel like people are attracted to ideas that are associated with socialism, like universal healthcare and generally like, freer education, like things that they're seeing as positive examples. But I think the reality is what you're saying, and I agree with, is that where we're heading, we can't necessarily like look back and like try to model similarly to something else. Like we have to kind of like disrupt the system completely and almost read something new that is totally never been done and like take a chance. Because if this, like, even if we're, like, in this space of, like, if they were to ban TikTok, like, we would never have been, like, the United States doesn't ban systems like that. Like, it's just, like, that. Like, well, there's, there's never been systems like that. And exactly that point. But, like, we're constantly trying to make the old pieces fit the new puzzle, and the reality is it's they're two different things and it's not you can't argue um you can't argue like oh well like what do i just say like you know we've never had to do this like it's because 
things are constantly changing and like government and education aren't innovating fast enough to keep up. And that's, that's the tired part of like why we're falling behind. Falling behind. Absolutely. There's a couple of things I want to touch on. One, the gov- government and education and I mean, really everything has not developed at the rate that technology has developed and changed over the last 10 years. Right. Right. That was the technology. That was the, that was the focus. And it, it happened so fast and is so all encompassing that it changed. It has literally foundationally changed the entire world. Mm -hmm. Bar none. Every single facet of our life has been changed because of technology. And we don't have the government systems, the education systems, the healthcare systems, any of the systems that we rely on to function as a society. None of them have adapted quick enough to keep up with that technology. And now we have to figure out how to, how do we make the government move quickly, right? Which doesn't happen and probably won't happen, right? That's, and that's probably for the better. Government shouldn't move quickly. It should be a, not a painstakingly slow pace, but it should be, it should be slow enough where we're not able to make brash decisions and just make the trendy move, right? You shouldn't be able to like, Wednesday, we're going to do this. And next week, we're going to change everything again. It's one of the few instances where you have to be reactive instead of proactive because you can't like get ahead of something you don't fully know where it's headed. Exactly. Right? Yeah, there just needs to be a new a new foundation, right? Mm-hmm. It's changing the foundation to what is the digital economy, right? And how does it work? And how does it? And one thing I want to talk about: how does it get regulated, right? If you want to see a an idea of completely antiquated, a completely antiquated set of laws, go look at the antitrust laws that we have in this country. It is absolutely insane. And I want to see, like, there are other countries that have more than a two-party system. And I would love to see, like, the, um, and I would, I think there's room for at the table for people who are, like, who you don't have to necessarily be a Democrat to be green. Like, could there be people who have more conservative values and they're, they're for a sustainable future? And Democrats, like, is there a new party for those people? And, like, is there room for more than a two-party system like I'll be curious to see how that continues to shape and if that is like a possibility for this country unfortunately part of that goes it lands back on the media right yeah because how do you get how do you get into a debate that's broadcast to millions and millions of people you have to be polling well well who is controlling the polls well it's these media companies you gotta you have to find a way to introduce a new idea and let it grow but I mean, organic, you know, this organic growth on social platforms is like damn near impossible now. Mm-hmm. You have to put money behind that. And so there's money behind that. And it's, I mean, trying to find a way to disrupt these legacy institutions that have a foothold in every corner of America is something that not only does it take a large part of the population, which I think exists, I think most people think that I think most people would agree 
that there's people on the left and people on the right that are both out of their fucking minds and that the the answers to most of these problems lie in the middle but because of the echo chamber of our current media cycles in in technology platforms the only things that are seen are the things that are abrasive right because either you agree with this in my opinion nonsensical extremist point and so you're propping it up or you think it's so insane and so outrageous that you like you watch it and you look at it and you give it your time which then gets calculated into the algorithm and is pushed to the top so we yeah. need to find new ways of regulating we need a, we need a billionaire to run we need yeah. a billionaire to run in a third party and then just see what happens <laughs> mark cuban andrew yang yeah i thought that would have been a super interesting would have been super interesting hey uh, maybe 2024 who knows the Democratic Party is really good at blackballing candidates they don't like, so they gotta go independent. <laughs> Bernie yeah. twice, Andrew Yang. They're not they're not fans. Um I so also speaking of the Democratic Party, Joe Biden is gonna announce his running mate this week. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Is it gonna be a black or a, a woman of color like he promised? Uh, not necessarily. The people who are on the short list are like. What Stacey happens Abrams. if he's a white dude? If he names a white dude as, it's not all the communications that are coming out is like, are you ready to meet her? Like, it's all they're using like actual pronouns that reference a female. So he's sticking to that. Um, I have the number one. I think obvious choice that I think people are assuming is it's going to be Kamala Harris. So I'll be really curious if that ends up being Elizabeth Warren is still on the short list, which would not be a woman of color. I mean, technically, I don't know where it ever landed. She like referenced that she had indigenous native roots, but I don't know if that was ever like collaborated. Uh, no, I don't know. It was not. That was one of those like, yeah, no. So there's that. And then there's like um, Stacey Abrams. There's a few women that are basically in like the South, like Georgia, Florida. Like even the governor of Michigan is on the short list. Is that just to piss off Donald Trump? Uh, maybe. But I don't know. So I would be really curious. I feel like I feel like it's going to be Kamala because actually Politico, they announced on accident that it was Kamala like last week. They published her bio like congratulating her as, for the VP nomination and they said that it was a mistake and that they have bios written for all the potential nominees and hers was the one that was accidentally published. So we'll see if that ends up holding true. But I don't, I also have reservations about Kamala. I think there's a lot that could come out from her regarding some of her past as district attorney or attorney general. I don't remember which position she held. I'm pretty sure it was attorney general. And she was very hard on 
people of color and imprisoned many of them. Yep. To the liking and probably to, you know, the crime bill that Joe Biden authored. So they'll get along great. Yeah. I mean, they're very centrist, both of them. So, and he's made it very clear that he's probably a one-term candidate. So like the whole idea is like they're, yeah. (laughs) Dude. Oh my God. Okay. So he's like, I mean, he's already. It's such a joke. He's going to be like 78, I think, by the time he starts office or late 77. So he'll be done when he's like 82. Yep. Yeah. Great. Uh-huh. Wonderful. And um and this is the guy right okay. Like this is this is so insane. The these people are too old to be in office. Yeah. Like it's just, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense that the subcommittee for antitrust law about when they they had um Sundar Pichai, Tim Cook, Jeff Bezos and uh the zuck and these people in congress are asking mark zuckerberg about things that happened on twitter and like it's like it they're just so incompetent right it's like um that's actually not his company so and technology is the most important thing right now that's the thing is like people that are that's why i like when people have like left their like I'm a scientist and I'm running for like political office because I'm taking my specialty and I'm trying to bring it to the government like I like career changers who are moving in I think we obviously saw a poor example of that in our presidency but I don't think it's I don't think the um no stones are alike so I think like in this case like you have people who are like no I'm trying to push policy on something that I know about. But the problem that you have there is you're someone whose only specialty is one thing. So they don't really know about about a a lot of other things. And so you run into like, well, what's their views on education reform? And they're like, well, I just know a lot about climate change or like this niche topic. So I don't know. I I go at it with two parts because I think you can be really educated about it, but I know a lot of people aren't always. But I think there's... These, some of these people who just don't get it, who, who like, we're trying to create laws about technology that they don't understand. Like, how do you even do that? Because we're in a world where, like, you don't even understand the complexities of, like, what's happening. Like, even, like, the field that I work in, like, digital marketing, building these campaigns so that I can continuously serve you ads, you don't understand how it works, but I have to, like, and I don't fully understand some of the complexities behind it, but I still have to build the campaigns that are gonna serve you advertisements based off of your interests so that you're more willing to buy my products. Like I have to do that. And some people don't even understand the fact like how they're served some of these ads. So I already am at a advantage in terms of like I understand how it's being delivered and how do you create a policy about things like that that you don't fully understand the complexities of like what it's collecting and like what you're sharing and like the whole thing you're talking about just certain antitrust laws and things like that like just everything that goes into like creating new policies nowadays if you're not well educated on how the world is transforming then it's outpacing what you're capable of offering 
And, and that's scary. And this is what I'm talking about when we have, like, right, we need to create something new, right? Mm-hmm. Because these people are trying to take, so quick aside, I'm a nerd. I like reading about antitrust law. <laughs> and Alec ever. So, okay. So in the late 70s, we started a change in antitrust because of this uh, thesis from a guy last name Bork, who was eventually nominated to be a Supreme Court justice. Um, but it was an idea to move from like an economic structuralist perspective on antitrust law of like, you can't price gouge. You can't, um, right. you can't do predatory pricing. Like you can't localize your prices to price out your competitors because you can eat the cost on shipping because you're closer to stores, right? All of these like very structural things of, how you can and cannot price your products. And then there's different rules for like vertical integration and things like that. So Bork and the Chicago school came along and essentially put forward the idea of consumer welfare standard. So pricing doesn't really matter as long as prices are low and there's options for consumers. Okay. So we went from like, there actually has to be parity in pricing and you can't, you can't take a loss on a product to price out your competitor and then move your prices up after I take, we're both selling t-shirts. You sell your t-shirt for $15. We're in the same market. So I sell mine for $5 until it get you out of the market because you can't compete because my prices are so low. And then after you're out of the market, I charge 20. That goes away. Cause as long as prices are low, who cares? Right. So once we have, now we've moved from a more industrial form of capitalism, right? We don't have mm-hmm. factories. We're not, there's much more digital product. And actually, there's a lot more of data being sold and collected and data informing different decisions in what products do we make? What do we sell them at? What price do we sell them at, right? And so all of these things, we need to make new antitrust laws about how you aggregate data, how you use data to build product can you like can is amazon allowed to be completely vertically integrated where they can own the platform they can look at all the data of the products that are being sold use that data to decide what products they should make manufacture those products and then place those products at the top of the platform that they own Mm -hmm. that seems like any competitive behavior yeah but under current antitrust law it's not because there's still options and the prices are low. And there's different, the thing with uh, like Amazon, Google, Facebook, and Apple, they all have different business models to some extent. Like the call for antitrust would be different situations for each of them, right? For Apple, it's vertical integration with the app the app store and your iPhone, right? Should Apple be able to 
on the app store on your iPhone, right? Should Amazon be able to operate at a loss in order to build different product? Uh, should Google and Facebook have essentially a monopoly on digital marketing, right? Should Google have to break up from YouTube, right? So there's all these different cases that are all surrounding digital product, not physical retail product that people just, they don't have any idea. And they're like, well, how do we, there's no talk about rewriting antitrust law. It's how do we break up these companies based on current antitrust product or antitrust standards? And that just isn't going to work. No. And like all of this goes beyond so many people who choose to live day to day here that like, I don't know, like people just don't understand the complexities of the world they live in, you know? And that's like, and that goes back and that's actually the fault of Facebook and Google, YouTube, Twitter. And because we have this reductionist civil discourse where people actually aren't given space on the platform to talk about complex issues. So we get to sloganeering and half truths to try and get people's points across, which is leads to more confusion and bad information and bad echo chambers. And to that same point, just like media and like the, the pick and choose of what chooses to be put out there as well as like the expectation that people are going to be served what's most relevant to them. And if it's not, snackable then they're not interested yeah the attention span has plummeted uh what do you think about the tiktok ban what's your take as a, so i would lim- i would i would classify myself as a tiktok user like if i'm in a, if i have an app that i spend most time on it's instagram but I will like go on TikTok probably once a week, maybe. But I have I have like over like three hundred videos in my inbox that people have sent me for on TikTok, like in my that I just like haven't gotten to because I'll like I just don't have that much time. But people who just scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll for hours, so I find the platform itself to be it is what it is. But in terms of like the claims of it like providing information as far as I'm aware based off of what I had to put in for a profile I don't see it really doing anything other than there's there's a couple of things like I think um it's very clear that it is governed not by America based off what people get pissed off that TikTok does. Like TikTok will remove videos on people they don't find worthy. Like people get pissed. They're like, my these videos keep getting deleted by TikTok, but like they're they're not offering any information that's like necessarily like bannable. Like they just people are like, I don't fit the TikTok algorithm and I'm being removed. And so you're seeing that that type of behavior on the platform, which I don't totally love. But 
what I've offered the platform, I don't really feel like there's anything beyond what, like, if you choose to connect your social media accounts, obviously it's like, it's feeding into some of these other things. But I don't really think I've fed it any data that I wouldn't have fed anything else. And I don't really feel like I'm like, it's pulling anything that it wouldn't. Cause like it only really runs when I launch it and things like that. So I find it just to be the result of our president being pissed at another country. That being said, there are a lot of things that people just put out there without thinking twice. And because it's a foreign owned app, there are issues there that aren't regulated necessarily. So I, I don't think TikTok should necessarily, if it's banned, I'm kind of just like, well, whatever. But I'm also not somebody like, there's a lot of nobodies who kind of built a brand around it. And I think those people feel like they're losing their entire life because they have so much invested in this app. But people are just going to go somewhere else. Like, that's the reality. If they're going to be a different app that offers something similar, and people will go to that instead. So the one thing about this group of people that is on this app is they're nimble. And if they go to a different app and it's banned in America, then there's going to be other issues. And it was already banned in India. So, like, it's not like it's not been banned in other countries. So the minute people, the, the American audience leaves, I don't think people will leave TikTok, but I think people will find a different place to do the exact same thing. And that's all I feel. So I guess I don't really, I think it'd just be weird if it got deleted because it just feels like we're in a war with China and this is just like a, a gotcha kind of moment. And then everyone else doesn't get a nap because two people don't like each other and can't get along. So well, we are in a cold war with China. That's, yeah. that's we are. And uh, the Biden campaign has banned all of its staffers from using TikTok, the Department of State and Homeland Security, the US Army, the US Navy, uh, Democratic and Republican national committees have told their employees to not use TikTok. Um, because I'm fully support banning TikTok. Uh, when you sign into an app and you do like the terms and conditions, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. An American company has to follow those terms and conditions. ByteDance in China does not. Right. They can do whatever they want with that data. It doesn't matter. If you think that foreign interference in elections is a bad idea, is a bad thing, if Cambridge Analytica was holy shit that's terrible if you want to blame facebook for donald trump being elected i don't think you should have an issue with tiktok being banned because this is a foreign country getting free data about american citizens and the ability to influence what they see what they think what their echo chamber is Mm -hmm. also china bans instagram google facebook youtube None of these American social giants that we all use are allowed in China. Not a single one. So why are we just giving them this data for free, right? And the amount of data that they actually collect, you're giving them access to your camera, to your photos, to your location, to your keystrokes, to your clipboard, to essentially your entire phone, right? Yeah. And if... (laughs) 
this is why data privacy and understanding data collection is so important because these are all things that can be used to put you into a box and to advertise and market and send messaging in your direction for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. And so if it's, if Russian collusion, which we now know wasn't actually real, uh, but that being the narrative of if it wasn't for Russia, we wouldn't have Trump. Okay. Well, that was like a hack and they hacked Facebook and they made fake accounts and they did all this stuff. This is willfully giving data to a country that we are in a cold war with and who is starting to take over American culture. You're giving a huge piece of American culture to China. That's the soft power that America has had for the last 50 years. That's made us the global number one, right? We export our, our culture to other countries. We don't import culture. Yeah. We're the leaders of that. I get that. I think it's, um, you, you have off, you valid points and you are definitely far more of an expert on the data privacy and like reading the terms and conditions. And that's why I adore you. But I will say that I think even just like my perspective of like everything on that is like, I'm not even a frequent user. So like somebody who is on this app hours and hours and hours and hours a day, I agree. Like they're totally at risk for something. And I'm not saying that this doesn't apply to me because they're definitely collecting my data because they obviously are already downloaded the app. But what I am saying is these people are far more susceptible to these boxes and being served things that are more like everything that I'm being served feels very generic and like, doesn't even like feel like it's actually for me. So I don't even trust what I'm being served. That being said, they were expecting to bring in like 500 million in ad revenue this year. And that's from global brands, obviously targeting like geos, but I think it's just, yeah, like there's just a lot of uncertainties. And the more that you start to, the more that TikTok starts to learn about who you are as people and like starts to like simplify like what's going on in our country, like to data that it doesn't, it didn't have as first party data previously, it just becomes a danger. And so I agree. Like, I think honestly, like, if we were to, if they were to ban TikTok, or what do you think, what are your thoughts about Microsoft buying the U.S. mark, the U.S. Um, business? I think I'm all for that. There needs to be a complete severance from ByteDance. ByteDance right. cannot be involved, right? Completely, like, cut off all back doors. Your ex, like, Microsoft has your code base. Yep. It is... Oh completely a separate entity now great uh donald trump trying to get a cut of that deal is absolutely insane and that's just like it just speaks to the it's just stupid who he is yeah um but uh yeah and then right all the people were like but facebook and instagram collect the same amount of data from you yep you're right and that should be something that everyone should be paying attention to and that i've talked about at length on this podcast but guess what? They're not directly funneling data to the Chinese Communist Party. Right. 
So let's let's set the precedent with this communist party, right? And then let's have a deeper, broader con- conversation about data privacy around American countries, or American think, companies. I think the worst thing that would happen is that nothing changes. Like Microsoft yeah. needs to buy it or it needs to get banned. So reality is you either continue to have the access to the app under new leadership and you can continue to use it with not fear that your data and as American culture changes or America as like data about Americans changes, like it's no longer first party information for ByteDance. Right. In China. And or they completely ban it and then Microsoft then launches a new app that's exactly similar interface. There's and Triller, basically ends up Facebook's being TikTok and it's probably like yep. talk tick or something and yep. off we go. Uh, like people and, are gonna adapt and if video really is here to stay for like this generation, something like this, and we've talked about YouTube offering something similar, we've all talked about Spotify incorporating video, like if it's not a, the Microsoft version of this app, it's gonna be one of those apps that takes off or one of those opportunities, so. Right, and actually if I was, if I was Facebook, right, I would have the insane number of lobbyists that I have. That's the other thing. Amazon and Facebook have tons and tons and tons of lobbyists that they pay to go work at in DC. So just a heads up. Right. So if I was Facebook, though, I would be saying to all those lobbyists, hey, make sure this deal with Microsoft gets done from a political level. And we're going to do our best to help this get done on a business level, because if there's a new social media that is as big as TikTok that is not owned by Facebook, that gives them just a little bit more breathing room to say that, hey, you should break us up. There's We have competitors here, here, and here, right? Mm-hmm. So if yeah, I was Facebook, that's what I'd be doing. Can't be owned by Facebook because they're going to be no. called back to the court and be like, e- you're monopolizing this market. <laughs> right. Well, what's interesting too already, so part of that transition in the 80s to um, away from economic structuralism to consumer welfare standard actually changed the idea of competition and the uh, entry, the barrier of entry. Mm-hmm. And so it now stated that um, like capital costs, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, whatever, um, like capital investment, raising money, building a product, um, securing product differentiation. Those are, those are no longer seen as barriers of entry. Mm-hmm. That's just the cost of business, right? That's, yeah. that's not a barrier. And so with that standard, anybody who makes an app, that has a social media function is technically a competitor to Facebook. It's true. Because the amount of money that they spend and things like that is not considered a barrier. So small little interesting detail, but there. Uh, yeah, ban TikTok. And then let's start talking about the other, I won't, I'm looking at, I'm trying to find a new TV right now. I won't buy a TCL because it's a Chinese company. There you Not go. Not going to do it. Uh, yeah, Samsung. Well, Not going to do it. And you 
very right not to buy that. I'm trying to think of we went, anything we else interesting tonight. For these, we did. We hadn't we hadn't chatted in a while, so this is Antitrust America, the podcast. Antitrust America. There's a lot of anti-trusting America right now. There's a lot of anti-trusting. As in people don't trust America. Mm-hmm. I still wouldn't want to live in any other country in the world. Yeah, I like living here. Zero desire to go anywhere else. I do, but like not forever, you know, just like a little like a little affair. Yeah, I'll do like a three month sabbatical somewhere and then I'm gonna come back here and enjoy enjoy the greatest country in the world. There it is. So all right. We wrap what? it up. The, the first saying. the first episode of now roaming right we're back to now roaming yeah we're back it's we re- resumed to the no roaming no longer we resumed roaming roaming resume roaming resume that could be the episode title it also sounds like a uh harry potter something mischief managed roaming resumed i love it even though J.K. Rowling's canceled, but I know how you feel about cancel culture. Also, yeah. I still we'll like. get into that. I still like Harry Potter. The let's that might be. I will binge watch Harry Potter and rebuy all the books, so I have I have them on my shelf. Yep. Got to get the hardcovers, you know. It's true. Except, yeah. I think they redesigned all the hard, like all the covers, and so now there's like a bunch of like weird. Like the, I remember going to Barnes and Noble, my mom reading an article saying that they were good, and we actually bought the second and third one, and we read those before we read the first one.